Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Maddie F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. It's Seattle Overload. It's the news slash press conference slash everything Seahawks edition podcast where Ty and I will delve into all the stuff you need to know. There's some exciting things to get into. There's more Geno Smith praise as if it cannot end. He was nominated for NFC Offensive Player of the Week again. There's Bruce Irvin returning to Seattle. There's the Seahawks might not even be playing at the scheduled time on Sunday. My hat is a clue if you're watching. There's Russell Wilson update. There's talk about the defense. There's Tariq Woolen goodness. There's so much stuff. But first, we owe a big thank you to Brendan from Elm Coffee Roasters in Seattle. Now, if I lived in Seattle, I would 100%, 1,000% go to Elm Coffee Roasters because it looks really nice. And maybe when I'm back in Seattle, I will visit. But Brendan has uh, supported the show. We really appreciate it. It's very, very kind of him. And, thank you, Brendan. Yeah, thank you, Brendan. Top man. Ty. Mm. Matthew. <laughs> Bruce what do you want to get in first? We got a lot. All right, all right. Bruce, 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 Bruce. Yeah, I uh, I mean, how could you not be excited about Bruce Irvin being back? I'm kind of surprised that he's back because the way that he was talking on Twitter the last few months, it seemed like he was done, done, like legit, done, like, done. oh, like, oh, yeah, done, done, done. Like he was like legit, like over, like he was enjoying retirement, enjoying just kind of sitting back watching ball. So I was pretty surprised that he, uh, one, was getting a visit to the VMAC and two, uh, actually signed with the team's practice squad. It seems like they are planning on using him too. Uh, Pete Carroll talking about how they want to use him kind of uh, like uh, Chen and Nuosu and, and uh, doing all that. That's that's the name that he dropped. So what does that mean? What does Bruce Irvin look like in this particular scheme? Yeah, well, when I heard the news, I immediately envisioned it being like a Daryl Johnson kind of deal with him, right? Um, and then Pete Carroll goes and says the way we uh, had seen Bam for basically Bruce and keeping those guys fresh. So he is going to be that kind of early down, set an edge, you know, because they can't trust Daryl Taylor to do it, but also they want to keep Daryl Taylor fresh for early, uh, for later down, sorry, for pass rushing opportunities. They also have, you know, rookies like Boye Maffei, who, you know, 
up and down play, still learning kind of the, the speed of football and the finer points of it. Whereas Bruce is a really experienced veteran who you can rely upon to come in and set an edge. And the other thing is like, I happen to have watched Ty, like, you know, just between us, not the other, the eight people watching this live stream. I happen, and the many listeners, which we do appreciate, every single one of you, uh, I happen to have watched a, a clinic from Aaron Curry, who is obviously the Seahawks offensive, well, offensive, outside linebackers coach. And he used quite a few. The, the clinic specifically was on edge setting in, in the defense, and he used quite a few of Bruce Irvin's clips. So on top of the fact that he has experience in Seattle, he's a Seattle guy, he's been staying around the area, on top of the fact that he can uh, be relied upon to set an edge. He's also familiar with uh, Aaron Curry, because, Aaron, well, Aaron Curry's familiar with him. He's used him as an example, a coaching tapes kind of example. And he was in Sean Desai's defense, so that crossover of, uh, you know, learning the language basically is the main difference, uh, is big. And, you know, Seattle in 2020, when they acquired Bruce Irvin as a Mike Dugar of the Athletic, I see you grinding that tape. He uh, pointed out in 2020, they started running bare fronts uh, at a higher rate, this 3-4 kind of early down look with Ken Norton as the coordinator. And Bruce was a big part of that until he unfortunately tore his ACL in week two of that season. And it's that kind of killed the the plan that year uh, in terms of like the pass rush. It was a bit messy and then they had to go get Dunlap. But um, yeah, it's, it's really cool that he's now back. Uh, it must have been a really tough process for him. I'm sure he's been missing football. And it's great, as Pete Carroll himself spoke about, that they've expanded the practice squad to allow this kind of opportunity to happen. And Ty, I'm glad you mentioned that Carol mentioned him in terms of Nwosu in what they can do. It sounded like more like the passing down stuff, like taking your shots. Uh, but that's also a, a case of in the scheme when you're an edge setter, like there's moments where you're expected to force the play and turn it back. But you can also be a force player by taking an inside move and still tackling the running back. It's just when to do that. Because if you take your shot and miss it, then there's no edge to the defense. Yeah. Um they're going to need guys, right? Because, like, again, you know, and, and to maybe take a little bit of the, the pressure off and put uh, Daryl Taylor in, in more favorable positions because you got to get him going. So it's, you know, you bring in someone who's who's familiar. And, you know, he did play a little bit last year with, what was it, Chicago? He was with Chicago, right? Because they play, he played against Seahawks. Yes. Yeah, Sean yeah. And he's familiarity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he sacked Russ in that game, I think, too. Pretty he sure. did, yeah, he did. It was the Bruce Irvin mm. revenge game. The Bruce Irvin revenge game. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, a a solid move overall. I mean, we'll we'll see what kind of shape he's in, and I mean, if they signed him, then that means that he he's probably in in pretty good uh, in a pretty good spot. So, um, we'll see if he can help. Uh, but at least the familiarity there, it that part helps, and you know, we'll see how that all goes and how much he ends up playing but you know it's a, it's good to see him back because like like you mentioned i'm glad that you mentioned it back in 2020 that he was going to be a big part of what they wanted to do and yeah he gets hurt in week two and then you just you don't see him again and then you know he doesn't obviously doesn't come back in the off season so uh you know we were kind of robbed of the of the return of bruce servant so i'm glad that we're getting at least uh, another crack at, at potentially seeing that um so yep well, oh, no, no. and on that you as go. well, Ty, the, the mental aspect, you know, like, I think they're very short of veterans in the locker room. And I don't think they 
like you know this is just an added bonus i don't think they went out and were like we need to get a veteran i think they went out and went we need to get an edge setter but the fact you know bruce is 34 now it's his you know he first came into the league in 2012 so it's his 10th year in the 10th season in the league you know i think that kind of uh presence just to guide the young young dudes but also pete praised his mentality and his competitiveness and his want to do things right like he's diligent he cares like that all really matters and figures into the equation too and also ty west virginia go mountaineers little uh bruce and gino reunion uh that 2011 west virginia team yeah there you go there you go we're, we're you know your favorite your favorite team your favorite team maddie favorite college so it's all coming together it's all coming to- it's almost like you are the one behind the scenes pulling all the strings well you know i i'll just go with no comment there um mm. but um mm. also, got john schneider on speed dial uh yeah i mean we go we go you know way back obviously got uh him on the bat phone yep, yep. yeah 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 uh Dem- he, he just doesn't answer recently it's really weird um mm. demarcus lawrence has 51.5 career sacks and bruce evan has 52 I was looking at Demarcus Lawrence earlier in the day because I've done mm. a video on the Cowboys pass rush. Demarcus Lawrence is thirty, but uh, so four years younger. But anyway, that's cool that Bruce mm. has more sacks than Demarcus. So Bruce Irvin is better than Demarcus Lawrence, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, completely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cam, Cam, as Camden points out here, you know Bruce could uh, really fix the uh, the outside fits. So you know they need help with that. They need help, any help that they can get to. You know, stop getting beat out on the outside because that's been a that's been a pretty big issue for them as of late. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he can give them something here. Like anything that he can give you, I mean, is a bonus because right now, really nothing is working for you. The personnel just you're not getting production out of a lot of guys that you're hoping to rely on going into this year. So, you know, for what you were saying with the with the veteran presence and just the overall familiarity why not take the shot right like why not do that especially at this point when the defense is literally in hell right now why Mm. not throw stuff at the wall and just see what sticks uh so i want to move on real quick and and just cover like another small item that we have uh in regards to the um the start time of this week's game against the cardinals um as you guys know I uh, I cover a lovely baseball team in Seattle called the Seattle Mariners, who just so happened to be in the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. And the uh, Seattle sports in general hasn't really had to deal with this kind of issue for uh, for quite some time uh, with the uh, stadiums being next door to one another and in, in the middle of October. Uh, but the uh, the Mariners, if they force a game four of the ALDS, which would require a win either tomorrow or on Saturday, uh, the uh, Seahawks will uh, be forced to move the game back by about a half hour or by uh, sorry, an hour and a half rather uh, to 530 Eastern time two thirty Pacific time. That was the report from Ian Rappaport this morning. But again, that requires the Mariners to either win tomorrow or Saturday. We'll see. Hopefully they do. Hopefully, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so for those that are. Um, planning on heading to the stadium for the game uh you will either know tomorrow or saturday if the game is getting pushed back by an hour and a half or not walk walk walk. Yeah, walk. definitely do not take your car <laughs> into the city of seattle this sunday do not do it don't do it public transit is your friend 
walking and is your friend, your your own two legs. Yeah. Yeah. Camden says an hour and a half isn't enough time. That's exactly what I was saying. It really isn't. Because like, like think about <laughs> think about baseball the slow. There's extras, which probably like Seattle's been weird recently. The Mariners, that is like Yeah. Well, so, and also playoff games the... are just naturally slower. Playoff right. games are naturally slower. And with extra innings, there is no uh, automatic runner on second in the playoffs. So as we saw with uh, Cleveland and Tampa Bay back on Saturday, game could go like 15, 16 innings if it, you know, if no one ends up scoring. So that's the thing that you worry about. Also, on top of that, I'm pretty sure they're playing a cracking game over across the uh, the city as well. So it's going to be a very, very busy day. Also, the Kraken are about to start Will, their uh... first game tonight. Go there we go. Will uh, Robbie Ray pitch in this series? Because you could just pitch him on the Sunday. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, that, hopefully not. But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the guy when he's down. Really that's, nice. That, yep, that's yep, that's re- funny. That's funny, classy. Maddie. Right, really, okay. really great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for just letting me know about that. Just driving the knife and even further, even further. Yeah, but, I'm um, in so much pain. I'm in so much pain, guys. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I like the team too. Like I don't. I don't get a big deal. It's not like you know you've right. watched much more of them and cover the team and everything. Maddie, Maddie F baseball, Maddie F exactly. baseball, of course. Yeah, yep. yep. that's my side brand. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so Pete Carroll talks about the defense. Um, Seven ten ESPN. You mentioned the struggling run defense. We talked about how Bruce hopefully will help on that. It was a bit weird, like. Pete was saying that they're unable to find a consistency, which is what we've been saying, and they've got to clean their stuff up, and that teams are running the ball at them a lot, and that they'll keep doing it if you let them, and the league takes what you give them, and right now they're getting away with running the ball, and that they're uncommonly inconsistent, and it just doesn't feel right, which is a bit of a troubling statement. He seemed more optimistic throughout the week, and he talked about how you know Taysom Hill is a unique a unique uh, kind of problem for a team where, as we said, again, the Wildcat gives you plus one in the run game. When that dude is a guy who can actually throw it a bit like Hill, then it's a bit more of a dilemma. The fact that Seattle didn't execute their plan is still, like, ghouling to me. Like, I mean, every other team who's faced Hill this season has actually looked like they had a bit of an idea, (laughs) whereas Seattle just looked completely clueless. And every play he wasn't in, I was like, oh, thank God for that. It looked like the first time when Taysom Hill became a thing. Right, like when right, it right, like what is this? this yeah, is like oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, whoa, um, whoa, you can also play tight end. Oh my god, Jason yeah. Hill is the best player in football. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's uh, give that guy a hundred plus million dollars. But then throughout, throughout the week, Pete says um, that the linebackers continue to take advantage of the system, but they're both growing within it. He said it was Cody Barton's better game, and it was last week was the best game that the two inside linebackers played. He then says Jordan Brooks is an incredible football player, an incredible player, that this, there's nothing but the sky's the limit for him and they'll keep shooting for that. So he's obviously feeling Pete optimistic. And he said on the team overall, we're within striking distance of doing something really special. So we're going for it. Like, wow. Um, so that was quite a statement. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. Like, I think overall, and We'll discuss this in our tape podcast tomorrow, but with Griff involved as well. Overall, like the defense did show signs of improvement again. They, they did that against Detroit too. I think it's kind of beginning to settle into something. 
Um, it was interesting as well how Pete said about the defensive tackles. Again, kind of what we say, but all of the stuff we're doing now, we've done in the past. <laughs> in the 3-4 stuff, there's a little bit more of us reading the linemen differently. So that's like a predominant... Uh, it's more predominant that they're mirror-stepping is basically what he's saying because... Seattle, when they run their three, four looks this year, there's a lot more of playing on the inside of the tackle where you mirror step. So you take a flat six inch lateral step and you knock back the uh, tackle and mirror him where he departs rather than playing on the outside shoulder of the guard as a what we call a three technique and six inch power stepping. So more of a forward step into the guard, knocking him back. Uh, so that's a subtle difference. But really, he's like, there's not much of a difference to the defensive tackles. Um, so. I think we'd disagree and we'd be like when the four, three stuff, like in the nickel stuff, Puna having to play on the inside shoulder of the guard, heavy up on earlier downs where they're, they're already outgapped, um, outnumbered because they're playing too high. That's a bit different, but I think it all just seems like overall the sentiment is that it's all going to settle down. Uh, and based on the film, I think they are probably getting there. So Ty, also big positive, Tariq Woolen, although the hype seems to have gone into overdrive. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing legitimate all-pro talk from folks like Tariq Woolen is playing like an all-pro, so they say. Um, and I mean, like, you look at some of the, the the numbers, right? Like, just some of the obvious numbers, the interceptions. He's leading all cornerbacks with, with three interceptions. Um, he's obviously got the uh, the interception streak that's going on right now for the last three weeks. Um, the passer rating is, he, I think he has the fourth uh, lowest opponent passer rating against uh, amongst all cornerbacks. So there's obviously, like, the the those kinds of stats that are supporting that argument, but... And, and and that is certainly going to play a factor into when uh, the voters actually uh, determine these all pro teams. But, you know, I've heard from you and Griff as well over the last few shows talk about how, you know, there's definitely some mistakes that he's making, definitely some learning curves, definitely, you know, we're seeing the rawness of Tariq Woolen that we all expected. And while there's production, there's definitely a lot of room for him to grow. So what do you think about the all pro talk? Do you think that's actually legitimate aside from some of the numbers that we're seeing that does rank him kind of in the upper echelon of cornerbacks? I think we need to chill out a tiny bit, but it is exciting. Like Pete said that they clocked him at 22.9 miles per hour when he was chasing down uh, Taysom Hill, which... yeah. DK got clocked on the uh, the Buddha Baker amazing play at 22.1 miles per hour. So, like, you know, he's absolutely flying. And, we, you know, we saw it on the big Debo Samuel run as well. I think the thing for him is it, it is just, like, stacking reps, exposure. There's some inconsistencies. But, I mean, all pro would be amazing. But it's not, like, like come on, let's be a bit more realistic. Like, maybe, like, yeah. uh, there's an all-rookie team, right? Like, that's 100% in play. And Pro Bowl, of course, even though there is no like Pro Bowl anymore, I guess. Right? Aren't they doing oh, just like a, a skill? I think I, they're doing I like a skill. Yeah, I know yeah. you I know you did. I think they're doing like a skills showcase or something now. And they're still doing like teams, but Okay. Well, seeing Tariq wouldn't do that would be fun. But the you know, all rookie team definitely in play. Like uh Pete talked about his perfect jam at the line of scrimmage, which got called for holding, where they hit Pete was basically like, That's exactly exactly right. 
And one thing is he has got more consistent in like just like stacking down after down after down. Because like playing corner is pretty boring because you often don't see the ball and then suddenly the ball is thrown at you. And if you're inconsistent on that one play, then no one else cares. Kind of similar to like uh, playing offense tackle in that sense. Uh, so yeah, like I think Willen will have bigger challenges as well. That's the other thing to talk about. Like if you look at the quarterbacks he's faced, if you look at the receivers he's faced, mm. it'll be interesting seeing him against the smaller types. So for instance, this next week we have Hollywood Brown playing yep. on the outside. We also have AJ Green, who I think is a good matchup for Willen, but. Hollywood Brown and the kind of nippier types who look to win with like sort of agility and explosion off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, like remember how Richard Sherman sometimes got found out against those smaller types. Well, I think Woolen's a whole different level of athlete. I saw yeah. a really interesting conversation between him and Richard Sherman in Sound of the Seahawks episode six, where um, an interesting conversation is just should say between Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman uh, about Woolen where Pete was talking through the technique and he was saying uh, basically to Richard Sherman, he wanted uh, uh, Sherman to produce a clinic on bail technique because Sherman did it so well and he was such a uh, an efficient mover for and really good at practicing his footwork for given his long legs. And Woolen hasn't done much of that and he still hasn't done much of that, but he's sort of working on it throughout. But... The thing I found really interesting was Pete saying he's pure stepping woolen. And I, I tweeted at Richard Sherman asking him what that meant. And Richard didn't reply. So that's upsetting. But my my intuition is that so when you kick step or step kick, whatever you want to call it, you take uh, basically you're lining up on the inside eye of that receiver at an arm's length away, looking to press them and disrupt them. Right. But you're always wanting to stay on the top of the receiver to remove the go ball. So sometimes you take a six inch outside read step, which Sherman really liked using, because if you think about it, you're on the inside of the guy. When you take that six inch read step, which is slightly lateral or even slightly backwards, you are protecting the outside release, which is going to be the go ball, the fade route, right? If a receiver is going to run outside of you, he's running down the field deep most of the time. But pure stepping to me is not doing that because Pete also coaches a mirror step where that's just six inch steps based off where that receiver releases. Um, when he releases outside your frame or starts to release outside your frame, you step, 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 uh, until you have to kick backwards when he releases fully outside your frame. And I think the pure stepping to me is that Woolen's the level of athlete where he can mirror step. He can just pure step from the jump. He doesn't need the outside read step to protect him. He's so effective against the deep ball anyway, the outside release stuff, which is exciting. Now, Shaquille, this isn't like unique to Woolen. Like Shaquille Griffin, he was a mirror stepper. Um, oh, I forgot his name. But at USC, they had smaller corners who are like really good movers, but they never really had that like Sherman kind of six foot three dude. They were mainly mirror steppers as well. So... But but it's cool that like Woolen has that trust. It's also just cool to me as a as a cornerback kind of nerd and a cornerback coach. Like that's a, a cool thing. And and you've seen Woolen use it brilliantly. Like the one big matchup he had was again and then against Ayuk, he played a, quite a lot of off because of how the 49ers 
were like in condensed formations and there's a threat of play action. And so when you're playing cover three, you don't really want to press against that because you kind of need the cornerback to help on these crossing routes. How do they help on the crossing routes? They need vision. How do you get vision? You play off, you play outside leverage on the condensed split, and then you can see the crossing routes across the field. You can see the play action. You can see everything. You can look in on the play. But against the uh, against the Broncos, Cortland Sutton, their kind of offense, when they got in the gun, allowed Woolen to get some press reps. Did an article on Woolen actually, which uh, on Seahawks on tape Substack, where I did the the Broncos and the 49ers uh, tape of Woolens because I was really impressed. And his press against Sutton was very very good. Like there was a ticky tacky defensive pass interference call, but like he kind of shut him down on the vertical retreat. And Sutton's kind of that bigger type, so can't wait to see him against the Cardinals, where they'll throw four verts, they'll try and get him beat on the outside. They might even throw in that crafty play where they do a check with me to the sideline and snap it quickly. Um, like they got a, oh, who was that? They got the Seahawks on one time. And so, great matchup. Woolen's doing really well. All pro talk. Let's 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 chill out slightly. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, just. Keep it up, I guess, and keep learning, keep stacking reps. Do we know if there's been a day three drafted guy that's made all pro first year? I mean, that's very unlikely because the only like rookie, yeah. well, I mean, I'd have to study the all pro team, but I'd guess like the only real rookie, the, like to me, the likeliest all pro position is for a rookie is pass rusher, right? Could you come in that or special teams, I guess. Right. So special teams probably most likely like a kicker or punt. Hey, when, when did Michael Dixon make all pro? Oh, was he a rookie? That's a good point. I think he was a rookie actually. There we go. There you go. Look at you go. Look at you. Uh, Yeah. Like I, I, you know, and then there's obviously always like a a specialist that makes in. Um, Yeah. And Dixon was a day three guy. Yeah. Yep, he was an all-pro. There you go. Let's Michael go. Dixon Look at that. Mike. Right out the bag. It's, it's a good day today. Proud of you. <laughs> Though I'm still a little mad at, at Michael Dixon. Still a little mad at, at old Dicko mode after after Sunday. Um, All right. So, <clears throat> I mean, like... Well, we'll uh, see. Ty, Ty, after oh. Sunday, Pete said I could have not allowed that to happen on the punt to, to 710 ESPN. Well, now mm. a Seattle Sports Brook and Sulk. So uh, that implies, Ty, that there may have been a bit more to that, perhaps. Mm. Like maybe a seed had been planted in Dixon's mm. mind that the fake was Like, there. hey, like if you see something there, you can take off. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I still, back- I still, I still choose to be mad at Dicko mode, though. <laughs> Camden points out Lockett was, but Lockett was a day two guy. Lockett was a day two guy. So, yeah, think, come... were, there, were there any day three guys? So, mm. but yeah, outside of, outside of, a, or at least Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon is the answer. I'm proud of you, Maddie. I'm very proud of you. Uh, but yeah, Woolen, you know, like it'll be interesting to see. And plus, he's going to get a lot uh, more uh, difficult matches here coming up. Uh, cause after this, what they play the Chargers, right? So that's Mike Williams potentially Keenan Allen if he's healthy he hasn't been uh, and then and then they play the the uh, Giants which whatever then they play the Cardinals again and they'll have Hopkins that time 
So DeAndre, Hollywood Brown, AJ Green, that'll be interesting. And then after that, they get the Bucks. So potentially like Evans, Godwin, Julio, maybe. I know he's been dealing with a thing. I know their whole receiving core has been dealing with a thing. The point is, they like Tariq is going to get some really, really tough matchups coming up here. So we're going to really put it to the test. We're going to really put it to the test. Also, they he gets Devontae right after that, if, assuming Devontae doesn't go to jail for pushing over the, the cameraman. <laughs> uh, the the thing with um, the thing with corner as well, it's obvious, but short term memory, like if he gets beat, like seeing how he responds will be like big. And he's had some like ticky tacky penalties. He's responded well, so. So far, so good. But, you know, you have a few bad plays. Let's see how you respond. That's the big thing to watch yeah. for when, when these matchups come up. Not really the fact he gets gives up a catch, but more how how do you respond after that? Because, you know, Richard Sherman got beat. Mm. What did he, he said? You've got, a, you've got to let your uh, nuts hang when, you, when you've got beat. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think it's something along those lines. I mean, and, and we saw Sherm not only get beat by, you know, like Roddy White, right? Like we also saw him get beat by guys like Jarius Wright at times. It happens. You get got. It's just the way it is in the NFL. Cornerback is very difficult. It is. It is. Okay. So the offense is a big reason for Pete's optimism when he was saying about being within striking distance of doing something really special, obviously, because the defense, despite the vague cope and Griff will bring more of that, the the defense has been poor. Now, Seattle's 10th in DVOA despite their defense which is that's insane that is insane outside his metric which speaks to how special their first in dvoa offense is and geno smith obviously are they actually first in 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 offensive dvoa i didn't check this week that's nuts wow so geno uh pete again reiterated that he's all in with him uh, and that he has their trust and they're just gonna there's no restrictions um and they just trust him which is awesome i thought it was interesting as well he went back to uh was it mr millen he went back to mm. mr millen's comment on the broadcast sort of comparing uh gino to rich gann and steve young and all of that and pete said those guys had everything together and gino's one of those guys he's doing everything that we could ask of him right now and that he's not going to sit back he's going to keep going there's no reason he can't have a great year in the future. So very exciting stuff. Uh, also interesting on the, the third down discussion, Pete mentioned the Saints uh, really looked like they were playing us to run the football on third down, um, which, and he said they didn't adapt fast enough to that, which, um, mm. I mean, I, I guess I, I need to watch the tape on that, but. I get, yeah. you know, it did seem like Seattle was in a lot of like weird drop back situations on offense, uh, where the I don't know that they, they didn't look that prepared for. I guess mm-hmm. that's what's going on there. Yeah. And then the rookie tackles they came up to the podium tie today. Abraham Lucas, Charles Cross, and that was cool that they got their you know they got their flowers and they're getting their flowers and. Apparently Shane was Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, was thrilled with how they played, and Pete said they played great, and I think I agree with that too. So there's mm. definitely like the sort of nucleus they're building of like young, young players. It's starting to come together, which you know, super exciting. 
Well, and you know, we talked about how the the road was also going to get tougher for those guys as well as we you know get into this next stretch uh, stretch of the schedule, and you know, going up against guys like Cam Jordan, like that's a that's a big test for for these young dudes, and um, you know, I, I think they they held up pretty well, and so that's that's good. That's good to build upon. And uh, it just seems like they're getting more comfortable, and uh, you know, and that's helping Gino out a lot. I think that's been a really big part for for Gino's success so far. And uh, you know, just hearing that they're they're not gonna, you know, th- that it's still just everything is open for Gino, all that stuff. It's so it's really exciting. I'm I'm really excited to see you know kind of what what he, he does next and what the offense looks like. This is only the second time they've gone up against an interdivisional opponent this year so far as well. So going to be really interesting to see how they attack that. And, uh, you know, I talked about it on Sunday, how it just kind of seems that they they keep on introducing new stuff each week with Gino. And uh, they continue to find you know ways uh, to, to, to find success in different ways. So, you know, what's it going to be this week? Um you know, mm. I, I'm I'm really really uh, interested to see kind of how they they find success this week and and how that maybe differs from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks because you know got to change it up. Yeah, I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Speaking of uh, speaking of offenses, uh, mm. your weekly when Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos do bad update. Mm. Russell Wilson didn't do very well, and the Broncos didn't do very well. Now. This is a quite a while ago, but it happened since our last podcast, and well, since our last Ty and Matty podcast. Yeah, overload Ty and Matty. The where... only podcast that matters. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Griff. When, Griff. When... Yeah, I can't believe Griff missed out on episode sixty-nine. By the way, let's let's give big ups here for episode sixty-nine of the Seattle Overload reboot. Let's go. We made it. We made it, boys. But and girls yeah. and people and all that. Yeah, jazz. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The Broncos. <laughs> now, before we get into that Thursday night football, if you can call it football, uh, at Inpredict, Mike Bowie, Bowie, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your surname. He is a, well, they are the creator of the eighth most trusted NBA player metric. So okay. good stuff. Currently right. called Impredictable. The Broncos have the most difficult strength of schedule the rest of the season, according to mm, the first week. Mm. That's pretty interesting, especially considering the fact the Broncos, Maddie, if I'm not mistaken, have the same exact record as the Seattle Seahawks at two and three right now. Hmm. 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 Now, remind me, who owns the Denver Broncos first and second round picks next year? Because I know it's not the Denver Broncos. Oh it, oh no, it isn't. That's right. I, mm. I think uh, is it the that were the oh, it's the Seahawks. Oh, oh my word! What can you imagine that? Can and, you imagine that? And, it's and, very and, uh, interesting how that and, works and, and, out. And Ty, um, the Broncos have a better quarterback situation now than the Seahawks, right? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, some are saying, some, some are saying, sources are telling me that the Seahawks upgraded a quarterback this offseason. No. Whoa. Wow. Hmm. 
Yeah, so Russ is uh, in hell right now. That offense is in hell right now. Uh, things are not going very well, and the national media has taken attention. And Now, I want to get one thing out of the way. That just because that Russell Wilson is is bad at football right now and the Broncos are struggling, that does not give us the right, I'm talking to you, Kyle Brandt, to attack him from a personal standpoint, especially his family. Let's maybe not do that. That's a little, little much, little much, little much. But we should definitely well, criticize well, Russell Wilson, the football well, player. Well, and- also... Also, mm-hmm. um, I, I saw a tweet from someone I trust where they were at the NFL media uh, honors thing, the infamous event where Russ seems to have annoyed so many people. And they had a, I think they'd hurt their leg, that maybe a broken leg. And uh, Ciara and Russ didn't let uh, them in the lift with them, the elevator. Mm. So they, they, like, nope. <laughs> they did a, they did a uh, Matthew Stafford thing at the parade. Yes. That, or, yeah, well, yeah. no, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> the leg was already injured. Tom. Oh, it was. Al- oh, it was yeah. already okay. They didn't push them off out of the elevator. Uh, and no, let's let's not let's get the facts okay. straight. All right, all right. Get sued. I'm, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to craft my own narrative here, Maddie. But Ty, that Thursday night football game was like abysmal, and and I think uh, a highlight stat. Me and Griff were like reacting to it as we were recording the tape podcast. Yeah. A highlight stat is that two of fifteen third down efficiency, and the, and just watching it back as well, like Russ was bad against the stuff you think he'd be bad against, right? Like the middle field open stuff. But for me, like Gus was sitting in middle field close as he does, as he has a tendency to do. Their weak hook player, which you know is tasked with like getting deep and looking for these over routes, the deep crossing routes, which beat the coverage. He wasn't doing that. And yet Russ wasn't connecting like he, and so you wonder, you know, it comes out after his struggles. Oh, he's playing through a, a shoulder issue. And it's like, well, you know what? That actually might have a thing. It might actually matter. It's in his right shoulder as well. But then also it, to me, it didn't come across like that. It came across more like miscommunication with receivers and just like just just completely like broken broken offense. Like the other factor at play tie to that was what on earth happened at the end of game. Like like they they bottled bottled that game. Like as bad as they were, their defense was so dominant. Mm-hmm. And and there's this weird conversation on um third and third and four where they they go they they then decide to f- go for a play action and Russ throws a pick. And Richard Sherman goes absolutely crazy at the end because yeah. uh, it's like it's triggering, basically. But also, like, there's this weird conversation, as I said, before the play in the timeout where Russ is talking to Hackett. And to me, my read on that, and I tweeted it out at the time, I tweeted out the video, uh, which uh, this account called Ultra Rare Tape had uh, tweeted out. I don't know who that is. Yeah, uh, no clue. Uh, and it just looks like Russ is like saying, nah. No, nah, I'm going to throw it here. And Hackett throws him under the bus after the game. He's like, "Yeah, Russ, Russ had the option to to run the ball, run a play or pass play." Like, okay. Oh, old, old Nate is getting tired of uh, taking all the arrows there for his boy. Nathaniel. 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 You sly fox. Yeah. Uh, and you're starting to see his teammates get upset. You saw KJ Hamler after uh, after the uh, 
fourth down. Uh, wide open. And he the was man, wide open. The, on the man-beating side, yep. they get man. Yep. Man-beating side, Rush doesn't even look that way. He just look, forces it to Sutton. His, like, his dude. How many times have we talked about, you know, over the over the years or at least during the time that I've known you about, you know, Russ is just not even looking there. He's not even like he's got a guy wide open here. Like, I remember we were doing an overload podcast uh, like in the pre-show and you were showing me a play on the Monday night football game against Washington. Where it was oh, like DJ Dallas gosh. was wide open just right underneath and he could have and he could have just taken the check down. He could have taken a four yard check down. And he just oh, ignores it. He like stares him right down and just ignores it. Like we're we're seeing stuff like that, and we're seeing like again his teammates are getting incredibly frustrated with him. Hmm. You see KJ Hamler, I mean, and how can you blame them? How can you blame them when stuff like this is happening, and when you know they're having such a a, a tough time at the line of scrimmage in general, and the the uh, clock management is still an issue, and all this stuff, all the stuff that has followed him from Seattle. I mean, you know, you're so, you're sold one thing especially as a player you know speaking about you know the the denver's weapons in particular and now you're seeing it actually unfold in front of your face and it's like dude this is not at all what i thought it was going to be like i can't imagine how those guys feel right now because i mean you you know you think this is kind of a franchise altering move and i mean it has been not in the way you think though (laughs) like right right i think like I do think this is the worst it will get. Although he is hurt now, and I mean, how how much worse where... could it get though? When you're literally like, like you've scored know, twenty plus points once. I think this is always coming in his game because of the weaknesses and which were there, and like, but also like for him to miss stuff against like the shots he usually used to hit against that kind of coverage, that is um, that is bad, and then. I do wonder, like, you know, he played through this finger when he shouldn't have. He came back to, well, no, he came back too soon from the finger. I think we can all agree on yeah. that. Like, is he going to play through the shoulder? Like, is is it, if it's really a problem, then don't suit up. Like, yeah. You know, By the way, obviously, Re- different Rippian's situations. ready to cook. <laughs> <laughs> Let rip and cook. Uh, the, rip it. Yeah, rip it and rip it. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the thing, too, is like, in obviously different situations. Uh, you know, just time of season and just kind of, you know, where these teams were at at the particular times of the injuries. But, you know, what the Cowboys are doing right now and letting Dak just kind of ease back into things, that's what they should have done last year with Russ. That's well, they when, done with... well, and this year, right? Like, if he is hurt, like Denver has the, a similar kind of dominant kind of looking defense to what Dallas is doing right now. So, yeah. like, um, and, and then Russ uh, tweets, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going, which... Is he attributed that to Winston Churchill? Which, uh, I mean, Churchill, complicated figure. I I did a modern history degree, which everyone goes, "What's modern history?" Well, it was an excuse to to study sort of international diplomacy from like the 1900s to the present day. But um, that's not a Winston Churchill quote either. Uh, so <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that is down bad. Like, and again, did he? You know, did he go and Google like? quotes about being in hell um <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah no that's exactly what he did that's yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah, he did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh yeah. but you know it's easy to easy to um easy to get get down on russell and you know to that point 
it is funny how, like, I mean, Hackett's getting ripped on, but because of how this all played out, you know, and it's because of like some of the stuff that's in the media with, with Russell and out of his camp and all of this stuff, he's getting a lot of flack. And I don't think with Pete Carroll, you know, who who's, you know, always was always there. I don't think this happens. I think, you know, Carroll takes all of this flack and he's just, I don't think it happens because I don't think Russ looks this bad because I think Seattle yeah. actually runs the ball more and, and builds it around him. But also Pete, like, he was the a convenient scapegoat. He took a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, without, like, going, we're running the ball because Russ can't do this or that. Like, you know, he, he took a lot on the chin and so did, yeah. you know, John Schneider and all that stuff. And now the, the, this is what happens. It's kind and to me also, it was sad seeing Russell like that because it was it was like almost shocking how lacking in confidence he looked like this is the first time I've seen him look mm. doubtful. Like he he looked full of doubt in that game. Even early yeah. on, I was like, Whoa, like this and is I gonna mean, he, be a, a tight game. And he looks, you know, dejected in the press conferences, the whole sad, you know, Broncos country. And then he leaves and let's ride, <laughs> you know, like that whole thing, you know, it's like <laughs> And it sucks, man, because, like, you know, for as much crap as I give Russ and uh, as much as we poke fun and as much as, you know, or as, as bitter as I feel about how he handled the whole situation and, and leaving, but Russ is one of my favorite players of all time. I loved watching Russell Wilson play. Like, incredible football player at his peak. One of the most, like, literally made Sundays forever fun. And so it sucks to see him struggle, you know, it, like, Obviously, the Seahawk fan in me is like, yeah, suck. <laughs> you know, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. But also, you know, just from a personal standpoint, like, I hope he's doing okay mentally. Like, first of all, like dealing with this, because this is, I mean, obviously, he's had some really down moments, but he's the guy. Everyone is pointing the finger at him nationally, too, because that wasn't really happening in Seattle. It really wasn't. Even when the Seahawks were struggling, it was always something else. Right? It was always excuses being made for us. It was, you know, the defense, the offensive line. It was whatever over the last few years. But now he's he's the guy because he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to go to a place where he was featured, where he was the face of the franchise, where everything ran through him. And now when it's not working, and I think I think he will uh, figure out, he'll figure it out a little bit, and that unit will figure it out as a whole. Uh, and like you said, I don't, I don't think it'll get worse. Like, I think it'll get better. But, um, you know, he's he's going through it right now. The the fingers are being pointed at him, and he's just got to kind of deal with that. He's got to own that because that's what comes with what he wanted. You know, you got to be careful what you ask for. And there's two sides of the coin that, yeah, he's going to be lifted up and all this stuff if if they succeed. But also, if they fall flat on their face, like, he's the guy. He's the guy because this is what he wanted. He wanted to be the face. He wanted it. So, you know, they choked. I mean, they choked that game away. And and the the way yeah. that they were so aggressive when they like they could have just run on third and four. Like it was after the two minute warning, I think. Uh, but I know for a fact the Colts didn't have any timeouts. Like them throwing a pick like that when it wasn't there. The throw wasn't there. The corner camped inside. It was double post concept. The outside post is removed, like uh, by the corner camping inside, and he throws the pick. It, it reeks of him trying to force the issue and be that guy, right? Be the guy, and 
just bad. But yeah, easy yeah. target. Uh, and there's obviously a lot going on there, which isn't in his control. Um, the Broncos also lost Garrett Bowles, the left tackle, out for the season. And also the uh, starting uh, cornerback, Ronald Darby. Also oh, I didn't, I didn't know about Bowles. I didn't know yeah. about Bowles. Oh, yeah. Wow. He got rolled up on pretty bad. Uh, um, yeah. I think he broke something in his lower leg. That sucks. That sucks. Time. Does mm. suck. Injuries suck. But tough, tough situation in Denver, which like, you've got fans who criticize Seattle fans for booing Russell. How could you now booing their entire team and leaving? Leaving mm. before overtime, they just left the stadium. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, enough of that. Well, I, I do want to add something real quick before we hop off here. It was a great pot, and I won't spend too much time on it because, well, mostly I, I want you guys to to actually go and listen to it. But uh, Rich Sherman, of course, has a podcast now. Rich Sherman podcast. You can find it on YouTube, and he had one Marshawn Lynch on today. Ooh, that sounds and good. And it's uh, it's pretty juicy. He talks about the play in the Super Bowl and how, you know, people walk up to him and that's what they say. They don't say like, hey, what's up, Marshawn? Like, how's it going, man? Like, how you doing? Like, it's why didn't you get the ball? <laughs> like every single interaction he says with a fan is like, why didn't you get the ball? Um, but he talks about the relationship with Pete, talks about the relationship with Russ. The most interesting tidbit to me about what he said with Russ was like, I want to reach out to him because I, I, you know, I want him to like, know, like, you know, to, to keep his head up, get through this, et cetera. But I'm only going to be able to re I, I only want to talk to him if I can reach him directly. And Richard Sherman added that you have to go through his agent to get in contact with him. Wow. Even players, even players that he, went to war with that he won super bowl that uh, he won a super bowl with went to two super bowls with have to go through mark rogers and company to wow. get in contact with russell wow Wilson. that i mean that explains so much like the whole you know corny kind of thing of like uh you know the the whole the corny image and like the inauthenticness and the kind of coldness that players feel uh from russ like I mean that's crazy. That is yeah. crazy. It's it's nuts. It's nuts, and it's really sad because it's you know again like you would think that, and this kind of goes back to what KJ was talking about about you know because um, when KJ was on the the Richard Sherman podcast a few weeks ago and he was talking about how you know he it, he thought that if Russ could do it all over again he would uh, make uh, he would pay more attention to building relationships with his teammates and, and really you know being with his guys oh. and and so uh this is kind of an example of that because like if you don't have like his number right where you can just directly link up with him like he must be really closed off he must be as closed off as as you know we've heard right like well, I, know, I know i know i know like we've always known that he has a tight circle and i understand that but the the having to go through the agent is really odd that's weird like yeah so anyway i'm excited to listen to that and i hope you are all excited to listen to the tape episode of seattle overload out tomorrow please do like this video if you're watching on youtube and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and also comment after the stream has ended because it helps it boosts the numbers up I, I don't know how that will work but it does 
please also, if you're listening, subscribe, download the show, five-star review, please, as well. We appreciate all of you. We'll be back tomorrow. And until then, thank you for listening and watching. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you tomorrow.